0: Into to Crashing the Boards, episode 7, the Northwestern Women's Basketball Podcast. And if you're wondering, wow, it's been a long time since these guys have sounded like they're doing this properly, you're right. Uh, it's been a month that we've been on break here. i have been now joined by Matt McHugh and Austin Miller, once again around the country, Austin and North Carolina. Matt, just back from a vacation in Hawaii, now back in California for a day. How you guys doing?
1: It's been great. I am loving to be back here talking about women's basketball, and you know, it was a great vacation. But time to get back on that grind, and we'll be back out at ETHS. You guys will be there tomorrow, and going to start feeling like that real winter grind of Big Ten women's basketball going to hit us pretty fast right here.
2: Amit, I hate to start our podcast off this way, but I do have to issue a correction. I am not in North Carolina. I am back in. Oh, right, you are back, ready to go. Yeah, Austin, man, I'm ready to go. Austin is ready.
0: And that's, that's what Austin does. He, he's always also, ready. He's there already. I can't wait to join you tomorrow morning. We're recording this on a Saturday night after all the football, just hours before the game tomorrow against Nebraska. We've got a lot of women's basketball talk for you. We have three games to dissect, the first three games of Big Ten play for Northwestern, and two games to preview. What do you say we get into it, guys? Let's start with the Minnesota game, Northwestern. 1-2 to start Big Ten play, played Minnesota over break on the 28th of December at home, lost this one uh, to a very potent offensive Golden Gopher team. And if you remember us talking about this game, we knew Minnesota's offense was very talented. That's kind of the story of this
2: one. Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, that's kind of my takeaway from this. Um, you know, we did the preview pod for this game, and We said that Northwestern had to try to slow Minnesota down, and it just didn't really feel like they were able to do that. Minnesota put up 90 points. They scored 20 or more points in three of the four quarters. They scored 31 points in that second quarter, where they kind of opened this game up. And what makes this Minnesota team so dangerous this year is that they have a little bit more around Carly Wagner, and so they're a lot more difficult to guard. And that just kind of showed for Northwestern. Kenesha Bell led Minnesota with 26 points. Destiny Pitts, who I think is probably going to win freshman of the year in the Big Ten. If she doesn't, I think she should. She was 6 of 10 from behind the arc in this game, had 22 points. And so Carly Wagner was able to have a quiet 16 points and kind of sit in the wings for Minnesota. Uh, They just looked significantly better than Northwestern did on that night. And it's always going to be tough to guard Minnesota, Sometimes you need them to have a cold night, and unfortunately for Northwestern, that wasn't the case in this game. Minnesota shot just a tick under 50% from the field. They only turned the ball over nine times. You have to force turnovers against Minnesota because they are such a good shooting team, and Northwestern really just couldn't score with Minnesota. Uh, The positives in this game for Northwestern for me... 22 points for Lindsey Pulliam on 8 of 19 shooting against a defense like Minnesota that, that can really struggle to kind of stay in front of people at times, and, and it's not a very good defensive team. I think that's a really good sign for Northwestern. Palace Kanai Akpana did what we expected her to do against that weak Minnesota front line, 15 and 10. Chalk it up as another double-double, as an expected double-double. Minnesota can't guard anybody in the post. When they play Ohio State, watch what Stephanie Mavunga is going to do to them. Watch what the good post players in the Big Ten can do against Minnesota. Thought Thadakpana did that well. Abby Scheid had a, had a tough day shooting. We kind of said that she was going to be big in this game, and she was only 5 of 16 from the field. I think Northwestern probably needed a better day from her if they were going to hang in this game. No Lydia Rohde. That hurt shooting-wise for Northwestern. They only took 13 threes, and they only made three of them. It's hard to hang with a team like Minnesota when you can't stretch the defense out like that. Um, So it was a tough day for Northwestern. I think Pulliam's performance and Akpana's performance, certainly both positive signs, but this is a Minnesota team that may be inconsistent throughout the Big Ten, but on their night, they're going to score like this against a lot of Big Ten teams.
1: Yeah, Austin, you nailed it when you talk about Minnesota's just kind of that ability to get hot and get hot quickly with that offense. Again, you look at that Big Three with Kanisha Bell, Destiny Pitts, and Carly Wagner. Those three combined for 64 points, and Northwestern has 63 points as a team. so that's a pretty good recipe for success right there. And yeah, they're gonna have nights like this and it sucks for Northwestern that one of those nights came against them that all three of those players really got going and started to click on offense. Pitts got the deep ball going, six for ten from deep in the game, just made a couple of those heat checks and in a game like that, it's gonna be very tough for Northwestern, especially without one of their better shooters. So just keep up offensively. That's not going to be the games that they win. They're not going to be winning these shootout games, scoring 80-plus, 90-plus points. That's just not going to be how they get those wins. It's going to be a lot more of just scratching and clawing, kind of gritting their way through a, a grind of a defensive game. They, then they can steal a game against some of the mid-to-top-level t- teams in the Big Ten. So you just combine those couple factors, and it, just, it ends up being that it wasn't the right night for Northwestern.
2: And what's tough, Matt, is, like you said, Minnesota shot really well, and then they went and played the Nebraska team that Northwestern's going to see tomorrow, and they lost at home because they didn't shoot very well. Kenesha Bell was just 9 of 23 against Nebraska. Destiny Pitts just 3 of 10. Carly Wagner really struggled to get going, dealt with some foul trouble. So that's what's tough for Northwestern. I didn't think Northwestern played poorly in this game. The scoreline wasn't great for them just because they couldn't match Minnesota basket for basket. But I think they just kind of went up against a hot shooting night for your opponent, and that's going to happen in the Big Ten sometimes. So this is just kind of a, a flush it and move on performance from Northwestern. And Amit, as I think we'll see, they were able to do that and bounce back and, and get a win in, in what was by far the more winnable games of this opening pair of the Big Ten slate.
0: Yeah, before I move on to Illinois, just a few last thoughts on Minnesota for me at least was that it was 32-32 with five minutes to go in the second quarter. Northwestern, certainly, as you mentioned, Austin, was kind of hanging with them uh, early on, and that's when Minnesota really caught fire, ending that second quarter on that big run. Uh, Went into the half, up 10. And we mentioned the big three, obviously had a big game. Kanisha Bell, I remember listening to this uh, broadcast when we were in Tennessee, Austin, and she was just unstoppable. Um, it sounded like she was just the best player all over the court. Three rebounds away from a triple-double. We didn't even talk about the fact she had 10 assists on the night along with her 26 points. Uh, she was just really hard to stop. And that depth offensively, as you guys have mentioned, is just going to make a team like Minnesota tough to, to guard. And when they hit their shots, when they were they shot 43% from behind the arc, uh, that's, that's going to be tough sledding anytime. time. But moving on to the Illinois game, this was a good, we talked about this going back to the preview pod, this was a good test for Northwestern, a game pretty much in must-win territory for the Wildcats, and, and they delivered, winning 74-59, to 59, a really big game from Abby Shide and Palestinian Akpana, and getting that first Big Ten win, and a, a road win at that too. So a lot of positives to take away from this one.
1: So, at Northwestern, when they see Illinois on the schedule, that's the game that they know they can pick up. They went in there. They took care of business. That's a great way to get their Big Ten schedule kind of moving a little bit when you get that win under your belt. Jordan Hamilton really looked like herself at point guard, knocking down the three ball, running point on the offense, and playing 38 minutes, too. So she's back to full form. That's great to see on both the offense and defensive end. Kalisunai-Akpana, another great game in the paint. 16-16 for her. Abby Scheid leads the team with 20. Bright spots all over the place for Northwestern. This is, Again, this is a game that they went into knowing they could have picked this one up and then they had that right mentality the whole way through, took care of business, and then got that Big Ten win.
2: Yeah, and for me, Matt, I think the most encouraging sign from this game, obviously the win is the most encouraging sign from this game, but the most encouraging thing for me outside of that was that Lindsey Pulliam didn't shoot particularly well in this game, just 4 of 13 from the field. She finished with 10 points. But Northwestern was kind of able to weather that because they got 12 big points from Jordan Hamilton, because Abby Scheid played as well as she had really at any point this year with 20 points on, on 7 of 14 shooting, and because Palos Kanai Pana, against one of the better defensive centers in the Big Ten, Illinois does not have a lot, but Alex Whittinger is a very decent piece. She's a very good shot blocker. She was 8 of 11 from the floor for 16 points, grabbed down 7 rebounds. But against one of the better defensive centers in the Big Ten, Kanayak Kanayakpana went to town. 16 points, 16 boards, 8 of 12 from the field. And she's starting to play with that ferocity that we know that she is so capable of. And that's so crucial for Northwestern to have her terrorizing teams on the post, to have her grabbing down rebounds. She had five offensive rebounds against the fighting Illini. That's exactly what Northwestern needs if they want to hang around during this Big Ten season and make some noise in conference play. So that was fantastic to see for the Wildcats. A good game from Akpana. Thought Northwestern played really well defensively. Illinois shot all right in this game, 42%, but they turned the ball over. 16 times, including four from Petra Holoszinska. Their point guard, Brandy Beasley, didn't turn it over at all. But just about everybody else for Illinois struggled to take care of the ball. Northwestern did a good job of forcing them into those turnovers. Seven steals for the Wildcats, including three for Bertie Galernick. I guess she learned a little something from Ashley Derry last year before she graduated. This is a good result for Northwestern. It's never easy to win on the road in conference. Illinois is not a good team, but they're not a team that's going to go winless in conference play. They'll pick up a couple of Big Ten scallops as this year goes on. So credit to Northwestern for getting this victory, for playing well in this game, and for kind of showing what they're capable of when they play well. 8 of 14 from behind the arc with no Lydia Rohde, too. That's a great sign as well. 4 of 7 from Abby Scheidt. If she gets that shot from behind the arc, working consistently, can provide another element to stretch out opposing defenses— the Northwestern can really be dangerous. So this this was a really, really good game for them. And, and I was really happy with the performance that Northwestern put in.
0: I agree with both you guys, Austin and Matt. There's, you know, It's pretty clear. Northwestern needed this win against Illinois, a team it should beat. And they did it convincingly. And they handled Illinois' best players well. And I think the the positives is what you want to see in a game like that. Especially, I think, Austin, the really key point is that Lindsey Poole didn't have her best game uh, that's something that Northwestern's going to need to you know, keep working on because they need diversity of scoring op- options as this kind of young core mat- matures over the next few years because there's going to be some nights where Lindsey Pulliam doesn't have it. you can't expect her to do it every night. Moving on to the last game of the three uh, that we're here to talk about and review, Northwestern went on the road to Michigan State on Wednesday at the Bresden Center, and it was not Northwestern's best night. It was probably their toughest... Performance to swallow of the season, uh, just didn't have anything going offensively. And from the get-go, the Spartans really jumped on them and uh, got to a pretty ugly scoreline.
2: Yeah, I mean, this was unfortunately a game that kind of followed a script that has been a bit all too similar for Northwestern in road games over the past couple of years. They just couldn't keep Michigan State off the scoreboard in, in not just the first quarter, but the first half. Spartans put up 28 points in the first quarter. They put up 22 more in the second quarter. And Northwestern was unfortunately pretty much out of this game by halftime. Uh, when you can't score with opposing teams, which I, I think we're all in agreement that Northwestern can't always do, you have to be able to score. In a, You have to be able to defend, I should say, in a way that kind of limits teams' opportunities and allows yourselves to hang hang in games like this Before until you can kind of find your rhythm. <clears throat> And unfortunately, they just weren't able to do that against Michigan State. This is a solid Michigan State team, I think. Um, Shay Cawley had, had probably her best game of the year, 18 points on just nine shots. Uh, Taryn McCutcheon added 16 more. Uh, Brandeis Agee had 12. Lexi Gussert came off the bench for 14. Um, and Northwestern just couldn't really keep Michigan State off the scoreboard early on in this game. And then the second half didn't really have any consequence toward the final result. Um, they couldn't really stop Michigan State, and unfortunately for Northwestern, they couldn't really score as well. Another tough night from the field for Lindsey Polium, one of eight. You know, you look at that number, and, and it's discouraging to see that percentage. Um, but, Matt, I liked the shots that she took in this game, and sometimes you're just going to have those nights as, as a shooter, as a player who plays like Lindsey Polium plays. And, and we've heard Joe McEwen say this before, that, you know, with Lindsey Polium, it's not necessarily – about her percentage you know she's a volume scorer to score at a high volume you sometimes have to take high volume shots she had to do that in this game she'll have better shooting nights uh, but i think you still have to like the decision making that she's shown um, and you have to like that You know she doesn't lack for confidence. She's going to continue to put her shot up, even though she could have some difficult nights in Big Ten play. Mm-hmm. Palace Kanai Akpana struggled with foul trouble a bit in this game early on in the first half. That took her out when Northwestern could have really used her, so she only got to 10 points in seven boards. But Matt, Oceana Hamilton is the bright spot in this one for Northwestern. I know a lot of this came when the game was out of hand, but 15 points on eight shots? That's really impressive in fourteen minutes of play. Michigan State's not a terrible defensive team down low. Tip of the cap to you, Oceana, yeah?
1: Yeah. No, that's a that's a big bright spot, Austin. They're gonna need her, her depth in the front court. Again, you mentioned Kalas could kinda getting into foul trouble early. She only played twenty minutes in the game. And yeah, like you said, some of that was in garbage time, but still Oceana Hamilton out there balling out and she's someone who if Collis gets into foul trouble in some other game in the first half, which She probably is at some point, and you want to have that backup big capable of getting in there and giving you some quality minutes, and maybe that is going to be Oceana Hamilton in Big Ten play. So that was great to see, but overall, again, just to echo what you said, Austin, not the performance you want to see, it's tough to win on the road in the Big Ten. Like you said about that Illinois game, it shows just how strong Northwestern was to pull out that road win, but it's just tough it's a big crowd there at the Breslin Center. You get off to a slow start, and then after that tough second quarter, outscored 22-8, to eight, it's really hard for Northwestern to bounce back after that. So, you know, you're going to have some days like that. Michigan State, in my opinion, is a top-half team in the Big Ten. And, you know, and you go against on the road against some of the better teams in this conference, it's going to be really hard for a young team like Northwestern to pull out road victories. You have to remember, Lindsey Pulliam, Jordan Hamilton are first years who are starting and getting 35-plus minutes night in, night out. So they're going to have some off nights here and there. That's just part of the learning process, part of growing as a basketball player. So, you know, take that for what it And is. They're going to have those games against some of the better teams in the conference. you got to learn how to take those losses and get better from them, move on, and hopefully they can use that as some fuel when they head back to ETHS. Tomorrow to face the Huskers.
2: And one one final thing on this game, um, before you hop in here, Amit, and this is something that I've kind of picked up on Northwestern throughout this whole year, especially when they go on the road. Northwestern is a fine three-point shooting team, at least percentage-wise. They're fifth in the Big Ten in how they shoot the three, but they really just don't take three pointers at the same rate that other teams do. And Amit, I'm curious to get your thoughts on this. When they go and play road games like this, because they don't shoot really shoot threes and really don't make them at a high rate very often, it makes that margin for error so much smaller because you know how much of an equalizer the three-point basket can be because obviously it can help get you back in games or help keep you around in games. And when Northwestern isn't taking those shots and then furthermore when they're not making those shots – just makes it a lot harder. They were only one of nine from three against Michigan State. Look, Northwestern is never going to be a great three-point shooting team, but I think you'd like to see them put up a few more than that. We've seen Shide be capable of making those shots. Matt said it. Hamilton hit a couple of those shots in Champaign, and that was big to see for Northwestern. Lydia Rohde returned in this Michigan State game after having missed a couple games. She's still probably their best knockdown shooter. Lindsey Pulliam has only taken 15 threes this year. So that's something I'd like to see a bit more of for Northwestern. I know that might make that percentage go down a little bit, but there's going to be points in games when they're going to need to hit shots from behind the arc to A, stay in games and B, keep defenses honest from just clogging the paint and stopping their slash kind of slash and cut type game that we've seen so much from them this year.
0: Yeah, Austin, I'll agree with that take. I think kind of an illuminating way to think about the way Northwestern approaches a lot of these Big Ten games is you look to their best performance of the season, and for me, that's their close loss to Green Bay, a very good team. You could say you know maybe Syracuse is okay. You could maybe pick out another one, but I think they really went toe to toe with the very good Green Bay team. And uh, we detailed, our, you'll remember, before this game happened, we came on the podcast and we said, "Here's how Northwestern needs to win this game. They need to they need to muck it up. They need to slow it down." You know. Green Bay is going to play tight defense. You need to make enough shots to stay with them. And, you know, defensively, you you can't let the game get away from you. And I think kind of you just have this kind of underdog-ish mentality. There are lots of ways to play as an underdog. I'm not going to get too philosophical about that. But I think Northwestern's approach to being an underdog in these road games is that we're going to go in, we're going to slow it down, we're going to limit the The chances for this game to get away from us, we're gonna make it so the game is decided on less possessions, and we want to be a defensive first team. And on offense, we're gonna we're gonna run down the clock and get ourselves a decent look inside. I, I think that would you agree with me on that, Austin? That that's kind of how I, they approach these I games.
2: And I would. I would.
0: That's yeah. that's okay. You know, that's a good way to approach it. But I'm with you 100 percent that the threes are are just not there. Northwestern, uh, they're taking. They've taken 200 threes this season in 17 games. Do a quick math. It's a little over 10 threes a game. That is that is way too low. You've got to be shooting more than 10 threes a game in Big Ten basketball to beat some of these teams. And you go to the Green Bay game, they shot 14. I don't think 14 is that's one of their higher totals on the season. I don't think that's enough. But they made six of them. And that's kind of the reason they were in that game. They, they Bertie Galernick stepped up and made some threes. Something she has, you know, not shown to be one of her... It, it, she could be a good three point shooter, but that's you, you know that's not something she does a lot. Just the way she plays, Northwestern is going to have to get a lot out of its comfort zone to get in that play these teams. I think Bernie Glarena has to take some threes, for example. But Lindsay Pulliam definitely has to take more. And something you mentioned earlier, Abby Scheid, thats the, maybe the key to Northwestern's offense. If you're going to call it an inside out offense, is you need a big that can make threes as well. I would love to see Northwestern's three point attempts up towards twenty a game and. A hundred percent, the main reason why is that when you need to to get back in a game quickly, two is just less than three. It's the simple math. Uh, We know all about the advanced analytics that three-point shots are worth a lot, uh, especially in the corners. Uh, You know, you see Maury Ball. You only take threes and shots at the rim. You know, Joe Joe McEwen is certainly not going to do that, but you need to just push the trend a little bit more towards threes, maybe up the pace a little bit when you're playing on the road. I understand you're playing conservative, but number one, that doesn't develop your team, I think, the right way. And number two, if you're chasing a game, it's just going to be really hard to do it by twos.
2: And, and just quickly to, to bounce off that, um, and maybe we can let Matt hop in here for a second after this. Just for comparison's sake, in that Michigan State game, Northwestern took nine threes and Michigan State took 27. So they took – Three times as many three-pointers as Northwestern did. They only made ten of them. That's 37%. You know that, that's an adequate night from behind the arc. Not a great night by any means, but it just shows that you know the best teams in this conference are putting up that shot. And that's not to say that Northwestern needs to force bad threes for the sake of shooting threes. Because I'll still take a, a good for especially for this team, I'll take a good in rhythm two over a bad three. But I would like to see them take a few more of those because I think they can hit a few more of those. What do you think about that, Matt? Well, I know what you think about that because I do know you.
1: Well, well, I'd like to see a few more. But, yeah, again, you have to remember the personnel here. I don't think it makes sense to really push a shot that's not really part of these players' games. Like, you look at Lindsey Pulliam, she's just so much more comfortable shooting that mid-range. Yeah, maybe you'd like her to test the water. Same with Jordan Hamilton she's more comfortable as a pass first or shooting in the paint kind of player. She's not as comfortable shooting that three ball. and You know, that's just kind of their game right now. Does it make sense to push them out of that comfort zone and try to get them to shoot a shot that isn't quite theirs at this point? I, I don't know. Maybe you start to do that gradually, but I think if you just start throwing up a lot more threes, I'm just not exactly sure that that's going to provide an immediate fix for this team. I think, you're going to have to try to work with these players on trying to get open looks for the players who are really good outside shooters, like a Lydia Rohde or an Abby Shide. But Again, just forcing someone like Galernick or Hamilton or Polium to shoot a shot they don't feel comfortable shooting, to me that doesn't seem like that's a recipe for, for changing something like that Michigan State game.
0: I certainly think that's the most valid counter-argument to maybe Austin. I suggesting that they take more threes. Because player development in a season like this is the number one priority. And the question is, you know, I, I think that it'd be good for them to all develop that skill. And we don't know what these players are doing in the gym every day. I, you know, they get a lot, a lot of shots up. Are they emphasizing the three-point ball? Or are they just emphasizing the looks that they're comfortable with? But I think, you know, personally... You know, if you're gonna have a guard in the if you're gonna have a, a good offensive guard, you got to be able to hit threes nowadays. That's just the way basketball is. I don't know if that's too reductionist of a take, and maybe you're right, Matt. They they don't have to be doing it this year. But you know, as these players go through their careers, I'm looking especially at Abby Shy, Jordan Hamilton, Lindsey Pullman, and Glernick, the four of whom are expected to be, you know, very important contributors the next three years for North next two years for Northwestern. They, they've got to have you know a three-point shot in their game it's just so uh, tough when you have a player who's perimeter based that uh, doesn't scare you from three we all know examples of players who are like that 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 can make it work but I would love for Northwestern to have that I think that was one of the great things about the team they just had Kristen Inman was a primary mid-range scorer Ashley Deary you know wasn't necessarily a three-point shooter but you knew with all of Northwestern's big three, that they weren't afraid to shoot it from outside. Neither was Lauren Douglas. And, of course, when they had Maggie Lyon, they were a really great three-pointing team. So I would just love for them to develop that and You know, maybe it's a tough line to walk this season, but for sure down the line, I sure hope that strategy changes in the future.
2: All right, let's talk Nebraska. We got too philosophical there for a bit.
1: (laughs) I like it. I like it. I think it was a good discussion about how Northwestern, we are looking big picture. Again, We don't. Sure. when we look looking game by game, we're sure. going through all the nitty-gritty of this game. We have to remember, like Amit said, it's a rebuilding season, and we got to keep that in perspective for the listeners as well that don't get too hung up on each individual result that we're going to break down on this podcast as we go through the year. Keep it big picture, and I think that, that last discussion is a good example of that. But like you said, Austin, move on to Nebraska.
2: So, Northwestern set to take on Nebraska tomorrow at lovely historic Beardsley Gym at Evanston Township High School. Uh, Matt, is it fair to call Nebraska one of the surprises in the Big Ten this year? Yeah,
0: sure.
2: They're, 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 not, not, not...
0: they're much better than they were last year. Yes. Which uh, is yes. really impressive. Now, a surprise, a surprise the is interesting because uh, – they have a really, they have a really good uh, young talent pipeline that they brought in. Uh, Amy Williams in her second year is clearly knows what she's doing, so it's it's definitely they're definitely maybe overachieving. I don't know how surprising it is.
2: Well, so here's the thing for me: it's not often that a team like Nebraska can lose a player that is as talented as Jessica Shepard is and still improve fairly significantly which i think it's fair to say nebraska has this year they only won seven games all of last year they've already won 10 this year they're 10 and 5 they're 1 and 1 in the big 10 they hung around with ohio state in a very classic ohio state road game performance where it didn't really seem like ohio state cared to be there and just kind of coasted to a 12 point win and then they went on the road and beat minnesota and one of the more surprising results in the big 10 Jessica Shepard, who was a low-post star, a local hero, has moved on. She transferred and was able to play immediately, so she's now lighting it up for Notre Dame. This is a very solid Nebraska team. Hannah Whitish, in her second year, uh, has really improved as a scorer. She hit 29 points in a pair of games earlier this year. Kate Kane, a freshman big, stands at 6'5". She kind of is of the Megan Gustafson, Hallie Thome mold of the Big Ten. Just a really big, solid, low post score. 11 points per game, 7 rebounds per game. A really balanced attack for Nebraska. Um, They are not among the Big Ten's best teams, but they are significantly better than I thought they were going to be this year, and I think significantly better than most people thought that they were going to be. This is an average, middle-of-the-pack Big Ten team, which compared to where they were last year is, is definite improvement. Uh, Matt, what do you make of them?
1: Yeah, I guess that's fair. When you say Nebraska is a surprise team, I still want to hold off the expectations a little bit because they haven't really gone out and dominated any game yet in any win. That makes me say, oh, wow, they went out and dominated a good team. That makes me say that they're, you know, they're one of the better teams in the conference and, They haven't really reached that level yet, but they have shown some signs of improvement, um, and I think that's a good sign for this team overall. Again, you look at that Ohio State game uh, when number 12 Ohio State comes to town, and yeah, they lost that game, but they were in that game for a while, and they were giving Ohio State a pretty good fight, and that's certainly not something you would have said about this team last year when they had Jessica Shepard, so factor that in as well that They have impressed me, I'd say, more than my expectations were coming into this year. You mentioned Kane and Whitish as the two main players to look at. I still look at Jasmine Sincor as one of the kind of fundamental uh, elements of this team. She's a senior now, and she kind of has seen it all for this team back to a couple of years ago when they were actually a pretty solid team to then last year when they really struggled and then kind of with them for this whole rebuilding process. So... I kind of like that, that they have that element of stability uh, to kind of bring along this younger, new group of players. But overall, this team still strikes me as a team that's going to be floating around that maybe 8-10 to range in the Big Ten standings by the end of the year, which is better, but still shows that there's some more that needs to be done.
0: Yeah, I would would add that, you know, you guys have mentioned a lot of the good players, another player, or maybe two that I would add is... uh, Nasia Eliley, is that is that right? How you say that, Austin?
2: Nasia Eliley, really I, long. I was pretty close. I was pretty long. close.
0: Yeah, you're yeah, you're, yeah. You're getting there. Um, for, El- hey,
2: look, for twelve thirty on a on a Sunday morning, I think you did pretty darn well. Yeah,
0: I'll, thank you, Austin. I appreciate it. Uh, Nasia Eliley is is a sophomore, uh, as is whitish. and then there are two freshmen that came in and contributed really right away. Kate Kate, as you mentioned, and also. Taylor Kissinger is really, really talented. She was, I think, you know, top 50 in the nation uh, as a recruit. Uh, either as – I think I have her as number 26 in the nation. Yep. She's uh, – you know, she she had an injury that sidelined her for part of the year. But when she's playing, she's been averaging 13 points, uh, five rebounds, two assists. And she's a good three-point shooter as well. Um, this is a, you know, a balanced Nebraska team. And Kate, uh, K-
2: Do you uh- – do you want a Taylor Kissinger fun fact for you?
0: I would love one, Austin.
2: Taylor Kissinger's father, Brian, played collegiate basketball alongside my father, Jason, at the University of nebraska Kearney. Small world.
0: Whoa. Wow. I wow. can't wait for that tidbit tomorrow in the broadcast. Yeah.
2: You better believe it's coming out, that, baby. That'll
0: be great. That's a lot of fun.
2: Um, I told you it was a fun fact. Yeah, as a it
0: was a fun fact. This is, a, this is, as you said, Austin, a solid Nebraska team. Uh, they don't do anything extraordinary, extraordinarily well, but they really don't do anything badly either. And uh, Kate Kane, uh, time to break out my ranking summaries, my favorite thing to do. Kate Kane is third in the country in blocks, total blocks and blocks per game. She's averaging 3.6 blocks per game, which is quite absurd. Um... Just to quickly run through things, they're, they're pretty average at, at a lot of things. They're good at rebounding. They're 26 in the country in rebounding. But, as you may have remembered last year, that's only good for 7th in the Big Ten. For whatever it is, the Big Ten is a great rebounding conference. Uh, and they're top 50 in the country, 3rd in the Big Ten in opposing field goal percentage. So their defense does clamp it down. Uh, chalk up a lot of that to O'Reilly. But this is, this is a solid Nebraska team and. The way Northwestern is going to approach this game is going to be very interesting at home because I don't know necessarily if there's one thing you can take away from them that will stop them completely.
2: Yeah, for me, I admit, there's there's kind of, I think, three things that stand out to me about this matchup. Two are individual matchups, and then one is a Nebraska stat that we haven't yet mentioned the two matchups for me is one Northwestern's best perimeter scorer in Lindsey Pulliam is going up against one of the Big Ten's best perimeter defenders in Eli Liley. She's six foot one. She's long. She gave uh, Northwestern some problems last year. These two teams only played once. It was right at the start of Big Ten play in Lincoln. Uh, Nebraska hung around in that game, only lost by four. And a lot of the reason why was because Eli Lee gave Northwestern's perimeter players fits. I think she'll be matched up against Pulliam, and I'm really intrigued to see how Pulliam does against a bigger, longer player that tries to take away her breathing space. Maybe we see Pulliam look to go off the bounce a bit more and attack the basket. The second matchup for me is the player that we've talked about a lot, Kate Kane, the freshman big for Nebraska, up against Kunai Akpana for Northwestern. I think that's a really intriguing post-matchup, and for Northwestern... How does Akpana play that, and can she play that while also staying out of foul trouble? That's been one of the things that has plagued Palace this year. She hasn't fouled out of any games, but she's gotten four fouls, I believe, seven times this year is the number. So she's been in and out of games with foul trouble. She has to stay on the court with this game because I think she's Northwestern's best chance to guard Kane. And the final thing about this, and this is really the only thing that Nebraska does that kind of stands out either way. They're really bad free throws. Their last in the Big Ten free throw shooting percentage is just 61%. So this is maybe one where Northwestern doesn't have to be particularly afraid of putting them on the line. A lot of the reason that percentage is so low is because Kane is only a 48% free throw shooter. So that's kind of the balancing act for Northwestern is you want Akpana to stay out of foul trouble, but also you kind of want to put Kane on the line because you can't really perform from there. Um, Matt, you're the only person on this podcast who is not on the call did
0: you just yell Oceana Hamilton's name? Maybe. <laughs>
2: no,
1: I, seriously, I think that's she's going to be a big to player tomorrow. Conundrum. Yeah, she's a very key player. We talked about her big game uh, just earlier on this podcast. And, yeah, I mean, there's your answer. You want a big body to bang down low who's not afraid to foul Kane and put her on the stripe? There you go. That's going to be Oceana Hamilton. And she can come in. She can pick up some fouls. But, you know, also lock down the paint for some stretches for you. I think she's a big X factor for this game.
2: All right. I bought it. I'm in. I think it's an intriguing matchup. I, this is a game that Northwestern can definitely win. It's a capable Nebraska team. But, but as you kind of said, as we've kind of pointed out, this is, you know, a team that is probably a tier below the Minnesotas and Michigan States in the Big Ten. So a very winnable game for Northwestern. And, and I think this is a game that they'll look at and they'll say, all right, we can pick up this one. And as we'll get into in the next one, Wisconsin is a very winnable home game as well, so Northwestern could be staring at a two-game home win streak, and, and there's every likelihood of, of that happening. So, it's going to be an intriguing one.
1: One more note for me on this one: uh, Nebraska on the road this year, pretty good. They're four and oh on the road. It, it's a, it's a bit of a loaded one. They beat a pretty bad Kansas team, a pretty bad San Jose State team, but you know Drake is a solid team. That was really bad San Jose State team. Win. Yeah. So, you know, that, that's a big win there. And then uh, Minnesota, so that was that was another pretty big win on the road as well. So Northwestern going to have to do some work to hand Nebraska that first road loss of the year. But, you know, there's, there's, the, there's a recipe to do it. And I see a scenario where it works out for Northwestern, but this one I don't think will come very easily for the Cats tomorrow at Evanston Township High School.
0: Yeah, one last note on Minnesota is that Kate Kane had a triple-double this year. Uh, it was points, rebounds, and blocks. She had 11 blocks versus Ford Atlantic. Just just think that's fun to, to point out. Anyways, moving on to Wisconsin, Northwestern's second home game of the week. I believe that is happening on Thursday, if I'm not yes. mistaken. You got it right. Uh, the Badgers coming to town. Austin, I know you've been watching a lot of the Badgers this is unfortunately yes uh you know a lower (laughs) tier big uh big 10 team i think it's fair to say kind of right in that same clump maybe as northwestern and illinois you know leave you to sort that out for us um but they're they're an improving team and they play really hard and they've got an okay defense this is a, a game northwestern would love to win at home but certainly not an easy one
2: yeah this is year two of jonathan sippis at wisconsin um He took over from Bobby Kelsey, and he took over a really bare cupboard. Um, He didn't have a lot to work with. The most encouraging thing for Wisconsin last year uh, was just that they consistently played hard down the stretch of the Big Ten season. You know, when you take lump after lump, loss after loss like this team did, it can be really easy to quit. And we've seen Big Ten teams do that in the past. Wisconsin didn't quit. They showed up for every game. They played hard. They They went on a little bit of a run to close the year. And they're bringing that same intensity to games this year. You know, they took on a ranked Michigan team at home and hung around with them a couple days ago. But the issue is, is that's simply not a great basketball team. And that's kind of a mean thing to say, but it's just kind of the fact. They'll play hard. They'll defend well. uh, But if, you know, Wisconsin can't really beat you shot for shot. They have to kind of junk their way to a win. And kind of in the same way that we've seen Northwestern do at points this year. Uh, A decent amount of common opponents, actually, in the non-conference for these teams. Wisconsin has also lost to Milwaukee. They lost by three at home. They played Syracuse tight as well, only a three-point loss for Wisconsin. They also played Green Bay. and Wisconsin only put up 34 points in that game. Wisconsin only put up 35 in a loss at Purdue. If Northwestern can have a good offensive performance, they can definitely win this game against Wisconsin. This The fear for me, and I think Matt will probably echo this, is if Northwestern doesn't shoot very well, Wisconsin can kind of hang around and try to snatch this game late. It's almost like Northwestern is playing a version of themselves just slightly less talented Kayla McMorris is probably Wisconsin is definitely Wisconsin's best offensive threat 14 points per game she's missed a couple games through injury she's their most dangerous player offensively and I don't think it's particularly close if you can take her out of the game Wisconsin is going to really struggle to put the ball on the bucket this is a winnable game for Northwestern but also one that if Northwestern is not firing in all cylinders Wisconsin could absolutely snatch one final note from me and then I'll step aside on this game uh, Wisconsin gets to prep for Northwestern by playing Maryland this weekend. So uh, have fun with that one, Jonathan Sippis. I'm sure it's going to be great.
1: Ooh, Ooh that's going to be a, that's going to be a treat for them uh, against Brenda and those. Uh, that's they're going to lose probably, probably about forty or fifty there. But you know they're just going to come in with that attitude. They're going to come in and play hard against Northwestern. This is a game Northwestern really should win, but they can't sleep on Wisconsin. They can't go in feeling that this is a game that they can just kind of sleepwalk their way to a win because that's not how it's going to work against this Wisconsin team. You go out, you play some good defense like they did earlier this year. You can hold Wisconsin to maybe 55, 60 points, then just kind of do enough on offense. I think they'll be okay to win this game. Um, But, you know, Wisconsin is going to make them work for it a little bit. They're going to kind of push Northwestern to the edge of their talent level and I think if Northwestern plays up to that talent level in this game, they should be just fine against the Badgers. But if they come out and take their opponent lightly at all, they haven't done that much this year, but we've seen them ha- seen that happen in the past where they come in against an inferior opponent and they take that opponent a little lightly and then they just kind of let them hang around for the whole game. That There's a scenario where that happens. So Northwestern has to have that right mentality that they see this game on the calendar as, this can be one of our big big ten wins this year. We want to take this. We want to hopefully after a Nebraska game, even it up to a five hundred record in conference play. And that's that's the mentality they need to have: is that this is a game we need to win. We're going to go out there, play to the edge of our talent level, and dominate the Wisconsin Badgers.
0: Yeah, I'll, I'll close up maybe the Wisconsin preview with the ranking summaries. My favorite thing to do. Uh, Wisconsin, not very high in a lot of these rankings. They're second, last, second to last in the conference in scoring offense and scoring defense. Um, their three-point field goal percentage is the worst in the conference. They shoot 29% from three, which is 247th in the country. Uh, there are two things that they are average at in the Big Ten. Their three-point field goal percentage defense is 7th in the Big Ten. They allow just 31% from behind the arc, and their rebounding is uh, 11th in the conference, which actually isn't great compared to the rest of the Big Ten, but top 50 in the country, as we said, the Big Ten, loves to rebound. Um, they don't take care of the ball very well. Their turnover margin uh, is, is not good at all. At all, It's under 1. It's .8, so that's another thing Northwestern hopefully can take advantage of on defense, and uh, they also foul a lot, so... Maybe, you know, Northwestern can have a good day from the line. We know Shide and Pulliam are both, you know, very good free throw shooters shooting above 80%. Yeah,
2: that's about it. Yeah. Don't think we need to spend any more time on Wisconsin. All right.
1: I feel like we're all in agreement then on this one, that this is one Northwestern should come yeah, out
0: with. they, they should win yeah. this one. I think we expect them to win this one. Uh, it'll definitely be a tougher test than Illinois, but at home – you know, I, I really think Northwestern would go out and get this game.
2: Yeah, and the first of two within a stretch of three for Northwestern against Wisconsin, so a chance to kind of bank a couple of ten wins here. They play Wisconsin. They after Nebraska, they play Wisconsin. Then they go to Purdue. That's always a really tough place to go. But then after that, they get to go to Madison and play Wisconsin, and it'll be one of their winnable Big Ten road games. So you know, chance to get a little bit of momentum and see a, see a team twice in, in a short stretch and, and beat them twice.
0: So we'll wrap up crashing the boards here with uh, a quick Big Ten bounce around. Uh, we've seen, I think, maybe three or two games from all the teams in the Big Ten against each other since we last spoke. Let's get some quick impressions from both of you guys on the start to Big Ten play.
2: Rutger.
1: Rutgers, Rutgers,
2: <laughs> keep doing it. Love it. They're four and zero in the conference. So good.
1: 16-2. So, looking at the record schedule, and it's it's until February 1st when they head to the Xfinity Center in Maryland, it's a pretty light schedule for this team. They got at Purdue, Minnesota, at Penn State, Nebraska at Indiana, and then Maryland. Austin, in a minute, do you guys think there's a chance that they roll into that game against Brenda Freeze and the Terps with a 21-2 record?
2: At 9-0 and in the Big Ten? <laughs> that would be, it'd be, t- and it'd then, be tough to do questions? it.
1: I think they no. could
0: realistically get there, and I, I think maybe more realistically is eight uh, wins or seven wins, but it's certainly on the table the way they're playing.
2: You want to know what's really realistic, Matt? They're, they could yeah, show yeah, up could at the Xfinity Center at 9-0 and in the Big Ten, and then ten days later they could be 9-4 and in the Big Ten because they go to Maryland, host Michigan, to Ohio State, Host Maryland in a ten-day stretch in February. Yikes! Yikes. That's no, thank you. That's brutal. Wow, that's not very fun. <laughs> Yowza!
0: No, uh, no, I mean, no it's not,
2: Taylor, yeah, Tyler you know, Scaife is is one of the best players in the conference. Um, she was a big loss for them last year, but now that she's back, she's been fantastic. They're playing great defense. They're holding opponents to fifty-four points per game. They're not scoring particularly well. Uh, but when you play defense like that, you're going to have success. So all the credit in the world to see Vivian Stringer. Uh, she's Big Ten Coach of the Year, and I don't think it's going to be particularly close. And and it's a deserved award for her. She's a fantastic coach, uh, and it's good to see her get this program back on track after uh, a couple of lean years. Uh, another Big Ten takeaway for me, Iowa, I think, did pretty well. They had a tough stretch. They hosted Michigan and went to Maryland. They got a win at home against Michigan. That is a huge win for them to put on their tournament resume alongside that game against – who was it? Uh, didn't they play a Florida team, or am I thinking somebody else? I must Florida be State, they
1: almost won, and they yeah, at lost, the, I think, right, right at the buzzer right. to Florida State. That's right. Um, that's,
2: true. that's true. That was
1: a while back. But, uh,
2: um, but the win against Michigan is good. The loss to Maryland's. A lot of people are going to lose to Maryland, so you know it's all right. They need to keep holding serve. Uh, um, Let's see. Anything else from me here? No, I think I'm good. I
1: I feel like with Iowa, the ball's in their court, right, for the tournament, that if they handle their business in the rest of conference play, they beat up on the bottom feeders, they win, what, 11, 12 games in the Big Ten. I think they're feeling pretty good about their uh, NCAA tournament chances.
2: Yeah, and they only play – they oh geez, Iowa needs to send a thank-you package to the Big Ten schedule makers. They only play Michigan, Maryland, and Ohio State once apiece. Uh, you know, that could be a wow. double-edged sword because you could maybe not get good resume wins, but you can also just stock up Big Ten wins against the bad teams of this conference. So, Iowa, you know, they could definitely get 12, 13, 14 Big Ten wins. No problem. So, you know, I think they're going to be able to make the tournament if they can hold their serve uh amid Indiana they finally got a conference win.
0: Yeah baby, Indiana got their stuff together. I think as you guys Once, were saying, the
2: first they beat Purdue year.
0: by uh a solid scoreline and I, I think 60 uh, no 16 points, uh, 18, 18 points. Sorry, can't 18. do math, here it's at okay. 45 in the morning. But um uh, that's more back on track for them. I remember you remember we talked about them last week they left themselves uh, very little margin for error, uh, in, in mean, 10, but there's this is still certainly, no margin for error. There is no margin for error. They're, they're going to have a very tough chance to make the NCAA tournament. They're going to need basically no slip ups and a little bit of, of help in the, in the conference tournament and some help on the bubble as well. But this is a good sign if they can beat the, the Purdue's of the conference, you yeah. know, pretty handily, you know, that's what you want to see from them. And I know Tyra Bus looked back to form as well. Uh, we'll see. They're going at Michigan. Uh, yeah, uh, that's going to be a big those test next for them. Three
2: games at Michigan, home against Ohio State, at Maryland. It is now or never for Indiana. Either you put it together or your year's done. A lot of pressure. Yeah, yeah, on I mean, Tyra Bus. You need
0: one of those three, yeah. don't you? Yeah.
2: I mean, well, otherwise, probably, yeah,
1: you're looking up at a one in six record in the Big Ten, and in which case, good night. See, see yeah. you, Terry and the Hoosiers. You guys are done. So yeah. uh, I think they have the talent to be a, bubble, a tournament bubble team. I thought they did at the beginning of the year. I still think they have that talent. Maybe this Purdue game with the decide on them putting it together. But, man, do they have their hands full with this next, what, uh, 10 days coming up for them? This is, this is a big stretch for this team. You know, you, yeah, they you, got you
0: hope that their backs are against the wall and they'll bring their best. We'll see. It's certainly it is make or break, as you guys are saying.
1: Uh, uh, one other take uh, on the Big Ten for me, at least. I don't know if you guys want to talk about uh, Michigan State as well. We talked about them a little bit earlier. So twelve and four, two and one in the Big Ten. They have a, a close loss to Rutgers. I still think this is a team that's kind of on that NCAA tournament bubble. They're showing to be. They're having more success than I thought they would. the Beginning of the year, they got that win against South Florida in the non-con, and I think this is a solid team through and through. They're going to need a little help. When it comes to that bubble, they're going to probably need to luck their way into some games. They probably don't have business winning, but there's still a decent chance that this team could go dancing come March.
2: Yeah, I think you could see that. Um, I think they're probably more likely a 18-19 win solid NIT team. I don't know that they quite have enough to make the tournament, uh, but they've acquitted themselves pretty well so far. Uh Matt and Amit, my final question for you before we wrap this up in the Big Ten segment. Do we have a race for Conference Player of the Year? Uh, Kelsey Mitchell obviously was the player that many thought was going to run away with this. Her scoring numbers, as always, fantastic, 25.5 points per game. But Megan Gustafson at Iowa, 22 points per game, 12.6 rebounds per game. That, friends, is a double-double, one of just three players averaging a double-double Could you see Gustafson taking this award from Kelsey Mitchell if she continues this type of form? Ah, There's a
1: chance. I think Kelsey's going to have to cool off for that to happen because scoring still kind of rules everything when it comes to those national player of the year. votes. Scoring is the first thing that everyone looks at. That tends to be the barometer for success when it comes to the big time media awards like that. So, Yeah, I still feel like Kelsey's going to have to cool off to make that happen. But, you know, there's a chance. There's a chance that that happens. If Megan keeps doing what she's doing, it's been an incredible season for her. Uh, But if Kelsey keeps dropping over 25 points per game, I find it hard to believe that uh, she'll give up her spot at uh, the top of that ballot right now.
2: My thing with Mitchell is, and this is why I would be inclined to vote Gustafson as of now, Mitchell does one thing; she scores, and she does it really well. But she's at best an adequate player defensively, and that's only when she wants to be. She doesn't really give you assists, she doesn't rebound, she doesn't steal. Gustafson gives you a lot more all around, especially with those rebounds. She only scores three and a half points per game less, and then she's adds got two infinite per
0: game as well.
2: Right? Yeah. I don't know. I think you could make a case for Gustafson. That said, Kelsey Mitchell is fantastic. She is the best player. In this conference, like from a pure basketballing standpoint, that doesn't necessarily mean that she should win Conference Player of the Year award. That's my opinion as of now, subject to change once Kelsey Mitchell goes off in big games, like we all know she will.
1: She no longer is the leading of the country in scoring. Joyce Kenderson has passed her 25.9 points per game for the junior from Texas Southern. Kelsey is at 25.8. So she still has a pretty decent chance to uh, finish the year as the nation's scoring leader. And if she does that, I find it pretty hard to believe she won't be a Big Ten Player of the Year. But to your point, Austin, you know, you're looking at well-rounded players. If that's how this award should be measured, which there's a reasonable argument that it should be, then Megan Gustafson has a serious argument. But to me, the the Big Ten Player of the Year award essentially just ends up being who's the best scorer in the Big Ten, in which case there's no doubt in anyone's mind that the answer is Kelsey Mitchell.
2: That's a six and eight Texas Southern team, for the record, that Joyce Kenerson plays on. But she put up thirty three against Texas State and thirty five against Sam Houston State, and thirty three against that tough opponent, Paul Quinn College. So the more you know.
0: <laughs> the more you know. I think that's, that's probably
2: a good note.
1: That's, that's probably a good note good, for us to, to, on. To add, uh,
0: Any podcast we can end with talk about Paul Quinn
1: College. is a good podcast.
0: <laughs> I think you said it, Matt. Uh, thanks a lot, guys, for joining me in this late-night delusion of a podcast. Uh, we hope if you listen this far, you enjoyed it. Try, you know, Maybe you're listening this before Nebraska game, or maybe because of the way we released it, you're listening it sometime in the week. Either way, we hope you tune in To both games. We'll have them both on air from WDR Sports. That's all we have here for the Crashing the Boards podcast. Thanks for listening. Tune in to both games this week and make sure you tune in uh, next week um, for another episode of Crashing the Boards.